This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. The Podcast Studios is the home of the Headstuff Podcast Network. It's where lots of our shows are recorded and we work on editing, promotion, videos, live shows and lots more. As a podcast production company with three state-of-the-art studios for audio and video in Dublin city centre, we can work with you to tell great stories in a professional and engaging way. From government organisations to charities, arts groups to international brands, entrepreneurs to hobbyists, we've worked with everybody and we can help you to get the word out. Whether you need studio time, you're hosting a live stream or webinar, or you need support with editing or marketing, we can tailor a package for you. For more info, head to thepodcaststudios.ie. Welcome to FNI Rap Chat. My name is Carla Lennon, and I'm going to be hosting a few very special episodes about the animation industry in Ireland. I'm a 2D animator here, and I'm mad about all things animation. I co-founded a monthly event for animation staff in the city, and I'm excited to learn everything I can about the thriving industry here. I'm interviewing guests across a whole range of disciplines and finding out about their journeys, their skills, and what they love to do. I was lucky enough to have a talk with Paul McGrath. No, not that one, the other one. An animator, filmmaker, and cleanup artist here in Dublin. He's taught in Collage de Dulic, Ballyfermot, and IDT. He co-founded Wakla with Letitia Uguro to combine their talents in producing and directing fiction, documentary, and animation. We chat about where ideas come from, how we get them funded, and managing a team remotely. Most recently, Paul has directed the framework short Lady Betty, featuring the voice talents of David Pierce and Colin Meany, which is out on June 15th on Omeletto. To follow me along on my journey through animation, subscribe to FNI Rap Chat on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Headstuff Plus, wherever you get your podcasts. If you love what we do, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. so nice to see you thanks for coming in thanks for having me i've loads of questions for you today okay you get five okay <laughs> okay you can have more than I five. Might have okay a few more yeah so what i'm gonna ask you first is just tell me about your journey how did you get here and what does here look like um i suppose it's a very sporadic journey i i i come from a family of builders electricians all those type of things. So I joke about this. It isn't as bad as this, but I joke about this. For Christmas, every Christmas for years, they'd still say, are you still drawing the pictures, Paul? You know, up until I got married, then I was an adult and I was allowed. This was a real job then. Um, so I've always been doodling, drawing. That was it. And I didn't know there was a job to do that up until I was about 16 or 17. And then I was like, you can do animation. What's that? And um, <clears throat> Ballyferma was only starting. I think I was in the second year of Ballyferma when it started. And um, that's it. I just started there and, and I've been doing it ever since. I suppose I've been in and out of animation. I've been into 
I taught animation for maybe seven or eight years, I think, between Ballyfermot, Dunleary, Colossus Dudig. Um, and then I, but I was also working professionally in animation at the same time as teaching. So I was very burnt out for, for a long time. Um, I worked behind the scenes in academic, academic institutions. And then, but I've always been hopping in and out of animation. Made documentaries with my wife. We have our own company and we made short films and back into animation. And um, every documentary we made, the live action recreations were animations because we could afford to do them. Uh, or I should say, I could afford to do them. Um, so that's been, but, but the journey's been very up and down. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot more consistent work now in animation than there was when I started. Most of my graduating class, we all left within three or four months of graduation. And my mum went to my graduation to pick up the cert. And I think two other people from my class were there for the actual graduation. The rest of us were scattered all around the world. There was no work in Ireland. Mm. And if there was, it was for a very short period of time and, and then you were gone. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's, it's a lot easier now. There's a lot more availability of work now than there was when I started. Okay. There you go. Does that answer the journey question? It does. Kind Lots of. to unpack there. Okay. Loads. Unpack away. You make short films. Yes. Where do you get your ideas? <laughs> so I, I, somebody asked me this recently. A group of Spanish students um, asked me this translated through, because my Spanish is terrible. Okay. And um, farts. I made a film about farts because I think farts are funny. Anything that I think is funny that other people will go, well, that's a bit weird. I, I, I want to make a film about that. Um, so I made a film called, a short film called The Fart Wrangler. So it's technically the fart, but but it's the force. So you can you can let one go and you can make people do stuff because of that fart. And uh, so that's that's what that's about. Um, uh, the last short film I made is called Lady Betty. It's about the only female hangwoman in Ireland. Um, and... Whether she existed or not, it didn't exist is actually, it's questionable. There's a, there's, there, she is, there is a historical woman called Lady Betty who was allegedly a hangwoman in Roscommon. And there's probably a little museum to her somewhere in Roscommon as well. And uh, a friend of ours, uh, Lorraine Harton, was researching unsung women in Irish history. And she came across Lady Betty and she was going to do a podcast about her. And I convinced her not to do a podcast um, because when she gave me all the stuff to read about it, all the accounts of Lady Betty are all conflicting. Oh, she had two sons. Oh, she had one son. Oh, she killed her husband with a knife. Oh, she killed her husband. Oh, she did this. Oh, she did that. So they all conflicted. And I was just reading them beside each other and going, this sounds like two men arguing in a pub about who's right and who's wrong. And that's what the film is. It's uh, We got Colin Meany and David Pierce, and they do the two voices of the two guys arguing. And while they're telling the story, it's the animated characters, well, they're all animated, but it's the Lady Betty character doing, acting out like, oh, she had one son, a son appears, oh, she had two sons. Um, so if it's a good enough idea, I'll do it. But mainly it's, too, I have too many ideas. That's the problem. Hmm. There's too many. And I, I've a, I have another idea for a short film I want to do next year called um, The Good, The Bad and The Pugly. About um, two old ladies and a pug. That sounds great. I would watch that. Go. So if you were going to fund the good, the bad and the pugly, mm -hmm. what are the kind of processes in place that you would go through to get the mullah together to make your next <clears throat> great The movie? only real place in Ireland to get it would be Frameworks. Okay. And um, Frameworks used to be, I remember the first time I was involved in Frameworks and this would have been 25 years ago, probably more. 
Um, they had six slots for the frameworks. Each each film got fifty grand, and they had twenty five applications. It's a good chance of getting funded. Though. Oh yeah, 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 a very good chance of getting funded. Um, <clears throat> now, they changed the scheme last year. There's four slots, two for twenty grand, two for seventy grand, and um, they get upwards of of four or five hundred applications mm. and it's very tough um it's you have to be it used to be you could just walk in on go can i have the film their money they they give you a check for 50 grand and go let us know when the film is finished <laughs> they don't do that anymore it's all in tranches of like have you achieved this have you achieved that and mainly because a lot of films weren't delivered mm. and they'd go hey wait a minute didn't we give you 50 grand a couple of years to make a film they're like i can't remember that i mm. don't think that happened so now it's very much it must be a registered company it must have all these things you got to jump through a lot of hoops contractually as well and rights clearance all the all, all stuff which is bitten i think mm. in, filmmakers in the ass trying to make films over the course of 25 years but they've been really not strict but they've been very logistic about it the last 15 years or so mm. um but that is probably the only it's the only place i would go okay because i don't think trying to raise money to do because animation takes a long even a short film lady betty could took a year yeah and it was three of us made it right so um we we could have made it in a lot quicker time but it would have meant a lot more people have been involved and it was covid so there was nothing you could do. Everything was done remotely. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think if somebody wants to make a short film now, I would say, and they don't have funding, just make one scene. Okay. Don't make a short film. Make a scene and give yourself a deadline to do it within. Don't try and do 10, to, 10 talking heads or whatever. Just do one scene to show off or whatever. But if you're trying to make a short film, the only real place to go will be the frameworks. Okay. Framework scheme. If you are looking for a frameworks and you had your scene ready, like how much stuff, how much readiness do you need to have to go to frameworks and have a really strong chance of getting funded? <clears throat> what do you need? Um, everything you, they have on the application, you you need. Um, they say full storyboard, but I don't I don't think that's true because then you, that's that's a massive amount of work. You need concept art. You need a very good script. You need. Um, the people, the company lined up to do it if you don't have your own company. Um, and probably a little bit, of, if the script is good and you've got good concept art and at least one sequence storyboard to show you know what it's going to be, I think you think you'd be good. But it all comes down to um, first year we put Lady Betty in, we didn't get it. And mm-hmm. um, we got shortlisted, we got interviewed and um, the panel just liked somebody else's film more than my film mm. but they the stuff that they pointed at and said oh this is the reason you're not getting picked we're like oh okay but the reality is they just liked somebody else's idea more than my idea at the time and um i'd heard from somebody else and i can't remember his name now but he's he, he was saying he just put his film back in the following year he changed what they didn't like and put it back in mm. so i was like Okay, we got shortlisted. It's not going to cost us anything to put it in again the following year. So we tweaked a few things that they said that they didn't like and we put it in and they picked us. Okay. And we got it. So just because you're rejected and they say, oh, you know, we didn't like it because all the plants looked like uh, they weren't indigenous or all the characters were too tall, all the characters were too short, all this. uh, The reality is they chose somebody else's over yours because they liked their idea better at the time. 
So it's not a reflection on the amount of work you've done or what what you should change. It's purely, it's not favoritism, but you know they liked oh out of these four ideas, I like this one more than the other three. That's it. Mm. So the following year, you might have a better chance of just putting in and being the one that's liked more than the others. That, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. It's tough because it sounds quite personal. How would you deal with rejection in general? What are your tools? Um, I've worked in documentary, right, for a while. And um, in documentary, you when you're pitching a documentary, you don't have anything. You don't, you, you, sometimes you don't have any footage. You have an idea. I want to make a documentary about a donkey. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got 10 people that are going, I hate donkeys. I also hate donkeys. I hate donkeys. And they're all telling you why your idea is terrible. And then you walk away going, oh, my dear, terrible. One person might say, no, I love donkeys. I think that's a great idea. So let's, and I was actually at a pitch, a documentary pitch, when this guy was going to make a documentary about donkeys. And it was called a Donkeymentary. That was the name of it. And the way he pitched it was so much fun and so entertaining. The 10 people on the panel were like, oh, I don't know anything about donkeys, but I really like you. I like the way you pitched. I like the idea. Yes, I'll give you this much money. Um, but nine times out of 10, in animation, in live action, in documentary, you get a thick skin really, really early mm. because it's an industry of no's. For for every yes, there's there's 90 no's behind it. That is the nature of this. There's only so much money, so much airtime, so much attention that any one project can get. Um, in in the company that my wife and I have, Wackla, we have a shelf of animation documentary film ideas which will never get made which we have poured our heart and soul into and going oh I love this this is my favourite this is this and they'll never see the light of day because it is an industry of, of no mm. and you just have to accept that everything you pitch will probably be a no and get used to that and when something is a yes just go okay that's a yes we're, we're in the final stages of waiting for a yes for a project we've been developing for a while but there's been six yeses on the path. Mm-hmm. Film board has to say yes. RT Junior has to say yes. Then this company has to say yes. Then you go back to the film board. They've got to say yes again. RT Junior has to say, oh, yes, we're still yes. Another yes, another yes. And then up until you get the final funding and the money's in the bank, then it's a go. Okay. So it, it, it's there's no, unless you're applying to a short scheme or to make a short film through one of the film board schemes, there's multiple yeses. You've got to get a lot of yeses along the way. So it, again, so it's an industry of no. You might get, uh, we were developing a, a documentary feature about um, the slow movement, slow living, slow food, slow economy, slow everything. And uh, we got money, we got development money from um, media. Um, and that's hard to do. They're like, they're a very demanding kind of, the the application is like a phone book. Mm. And you've got to meet a lot of criteria just to apply. And uh, we got 30 grand for our development. Could we get money from anybody else to make it? And we spent a year going to markets, pushing this stuff. And everyone was, oh, it's a really interesting idea. I love that. And how long are you? You're not going to make it slow, are you? Ha, ha, ha. No, no, we'll make it in a relatively short period of time, but we need the financing to make it. And um, we didn't get any more yeses. So that idea, which we spent a y- over a year pushing and developing and making pilot, making kind of bits to show that this is what it's going to look like. Didn't go anywhere. Mm. So it, it's, you get a thick skin and and you can't take it personally because okay. otherwise, why would you do it? I mean, 
you can take it personally, it's too difficult because otherwise we'd all give up by now. Yeah. It's good advice. Don't take it personally. You can't. Separate the art from the art. Unless somebody says, I hate you and I hate your idea. Well, that's a different story. Then it's like, oh, okay, I'll go away now. I don't think frameworks are allowed to do that. They're not allowed. No, they're not no, allowed. No, they're not. No, they wouldn't do that. Like they're, they're, it's, it's, it is down to personal preference on the day. Yeah. And I think looking at it, and and they, they, you know, they they pick wildly as well. You might go, wow, they picked that one. I can't believe that. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they pick my one over that one? But you say that a bit. Why didn't I get that? Yes. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's okay. an industry of no. It's solid stuff. Thank you. <laughs> um, so you. You run Wakala, you work in Wakala, and then you're in the industry in and out as well. How do you manage your time between your full-time job and your part-time love of your life company? Um, <clears throat> that's a difficult one. Um, it's nine to five. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to treat it as. And uh, when I'm not when I'm not working on an animation project or a Wakala project, I'm still working in Wakala. We're still developing the next thing. Because even if you, you guess the, the short film or the series or whatever, it only lasts for a finite amount of time. You still have to dedicate a certain amount of time to develop the next thing mm-hmm. and the next thing. So it's um, you got not compartmentalized, but you got to be very you've got to be very regimented. Mm-hmm. And I've been working remotely um, for maybe 10 years, probably a bit longer. So COVID didn't affect me. I was like, oh, you got to stay home. It's like, oh, I've been doing that for years. Um, and for the first year, I will be honest and say I was in my pajamas until um, half 11, 12 o'clock, scrolling through Facebook, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, I'm not getting that done and I'm working till eight o'clock at night. You've got to be OK, up, have your breakfast, whatever, get dressed and be at your desk at a dedicated time, even if you're not. Even if I'm not working for somebody else's project, I'll still be at my desk by nine o'clock mm-hmm. and I'll be I'll be working and I'll I'll take a lunch break, go for a walk, do this, do that, blah, blah, come back and work till five or six and that's it. Mm. And um, animation's too hard that it, it sucks up your time if you let it. And um, I'm always saying to people, don't work overtime. It's not worth it. Your, your life's too short. You'll spend all your time doing overtime for somebody else and you'll get no benefit from it. And that other entity, that company, that project, that's not going to give you anything out of, the, out of the overtime that you would work for them for free. So don't do it. So if you contract a nine to five, finish at five because you'll be, you won't be able to do anything else outside of that time if you're constantly doing extra and extra and extra. And um, so you have to be very regimented. So even when I'm when I'm working for Mila, when I'm working for somebody else, I'm nine to five. And when that gig is over, I might take a couple of days off and do nothing. Um, or I'll I'll set myself a project to do. I was telling you last week, sanded my floor in my house while my wife was away. Sanded the floor <laughs> in the house and it's all back to normal now and I'm back to work as of today, essentially. So you just have to be very regimented in your time because it's, it's, it's tough not to do it. If you just kind of drop in and out of work and like, oh, I'll be scheduled now. You just have to kind of work harder. Work harder at, at, at not working all the time. Do you use any tools? Do you use a calendar? Do you use a journal? Do you have a, a app or anything to help you um, manage your time? And there's three of us in Wackla. There's um, myself and Letitia Gudan, Bobby Maloney, and Bobby Maloney works with us in 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 our in our office, which is our house, in our office two days a week and the rest of the time remotely. And um, we've paper calendars, and that's it. And we we write stuff down. This is happening this time. We're applying for this. This is being developed at this stage. We're doing this at this time. And then when I know I have a block of time where I'm working for somebody else, I'm like, I can't do 
this, this, and this within this time. So we've got to move it to here or we move it there. And you just organize it. We we did have a digital calendar, but it it gets messy. I much prefer when the three of us sitting in a room, Pepper Connolly would just sit there and write stuff down. This is happening, this is happening, this is happening. And it's easier to carry around in your pocket, I think, than uh, scrolling through a phone. That's fair enough. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about education. Okay. So I'm going to start talking for a little bit. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Fire ahead. From what I understand, animation started in Ireland as an apprenticeship, as a trade. And you would kind of train rather than be educated. And then it moved into a BA structure, which is like higher education. Um. What would you say, like, how different does it look now in animation education than it did at the start? What's better? What's better? Or what's different? Um, when, when I was studying in Ballyfermot, it was um, a diploma from Sheridan College in Toronto. And uh, by the time that I graduated and I was given a piece of paper, Sheridan was no longer involved at all. Um, I don't even think they were involved past the first or second year of the college because it just it got it gotten so big. And mm-hmm. um, so my diploma in animation is actually just it's it's not really a qualification. It's just what Bally Firm printed out on the day and gave it to me. Um, <clears throat> it's got I'm going to be brutal now. Um, if you want to teach, you need to have a teaching degree, um, and that's. I think that's a year-long course if you wanted to teach us. If you wanted to get, I, I know people from animation who've left animation and gone into animation education and they've had to do a year-long teaching qualification so they can teach at a, at a certain level. Um, if you want to work in the industry, you've just got to be really good at what you do. I don't think anybody looks at somebody's, port, looks at somebody's portfolio and goes, where's your diploma, where's your degree, where's mm. your certificate? They look at the artwork and they look at their work ethic. Um, I and that was always true when I was in when I graduated nobody was like oh, would you have your polyfermic certificate you know and <laughs> I don't even know where it is I think my mum got, mom got out at the graduation I didn't go um, but if you want to be involved in education or, or that sphere mm. you have to have proper qualifications for the animation industry you just need to be good at your job okay and what skills are we learning now that you wouldn't have learned years ago what's really important in today's animation sphere to be picking up um, I don't know. It's, it, I don't know. I only know, like I haven't been involved in any of the animation colleges for a long time. Mm. I don't know if the curriculum has been updated to what I, when I was studying, it had to be, it had to look like Luther Disney. Okay. If it didn't look like Luther Disney, you were failing. When I was teaching, um, I actually had to take a student aside. Well, a brilliant student. He was really, really good. I'm not going to name his name because I think he's still working on animation. Um, but the emotional sack was the project. And he did an elephant walking in. Mm. Really, really great weight, great movement. And the elephant poops out the emotional sack. Right? And the emotional sack just goes, ta-da! <laughs> and the animation, the elephant was fantastic. Yeah. He failed. Why? Because he didn't meet the grading criteria, oh. which was... The emotional sack. Okay, interesting. Right, and I, I, I was like, why did you do this? You knew what the project was. And he's like, yeah, but it's so boring. It's this. It's, I was like, yeah, but you're going to fail mm. because of the of this criteria. And um, I don't know if the colleges are, and I didn't want to mm. 
But the other teacher who was grading with me was like, well, he hasn't done any of these things. And where's the, he has said he has at least five poses. And I was going, yeah, but look at the elephant. That's the way he stood. But it's not the thing. Mm. So um, now, I've, I've been to a few of the um, end of year shows and I'm looking at the animation going, that's amazing animation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like anything I did or the students that I was working with did because it's not Disney-esque. It's mm-hmm. not Bluth. It's It's completely different multiple styles and I think that's fantastic they're actually learning different styles but I don't know if the criteria that they're being taught in the classroom is teaching them that or if they're just better self-taught students because I do know in Bali for a they're still doing the bouncing ball the cannonball the emotional sack the man boat wave all these things mm. and they're not they're teaching the principles whatever the 9, 12 whatever you would however many there are and you could probably teach all of them a lot quicker through a different way of approaching animation than going, now we're going to spend the next six weeks in the bouncing ball. Now we're going to, and digitally has changed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I taught was on paper and I was going bananas trying to go, listen, we need to start, and this was in the 90s, I was like, we need to start using Flash. Mm-hmm. Everybody's using Flash. Boulder had only started, they were making a series in Flash. This is happening in Flash. And Bally Firm were like, oh, but, but everything will be on paper anyway. I was going, yeah, but paper is dying to a degree. We need to be more updated. And I don't know if they're still teaching on paper in, in the colleges. They probably are because it's it's just the way it's being done. Mm. And I think a lot of the, you'll always have good students who will go, well, this is what's being done outside and this is how we have to learn to do it. And I've joked about this, but it is true. Everything I learned about animation, I learned in the first, not everything, but the, the getting into the animation industry, I learned so much in the first six months of professionally working than I did in the four years of college I did before that. Mm-hmm. And it was very much sink or swim. If I didn't learn it, I wouldn't have a job. Okay. And I, I know people who went into the industry thinking they were fantastic out of college. It lasted a couple of years and then they're like, oh, well, I did, well, there's no jobs because the skill set you learn in college is very different than the skills you need in the industry. I'm sure it's changed because a lot of, I've dealt with a lot of graduates over the last couple of years and they've been really good. Mm. I'm very quick to go, well, this is how we do it now. This is how this has changed. So it probably is a lot better than when I, when I was teaching or studying. But I still think there's there's always room for improvement. And the animation industry moves so, technologically moves so quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the, the colleges are keeping up. Okay. So what do you look for when you're hiring, when was making the next Simpsons and you need 100 fresh faces? What skill sets are you looking for when people come to you? I'm looking for hard workers. Hard workers. Um, I don't mean that like I want people to do over time. I'm looking for people willing to learn how to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I can teach anybody how to do it, but the passion to want to do it, is, it's, it's, I've joked about it. You want a grafter. You want somebody who, not necessarily the best talented person in the room, but somebody who wants to be the best talented person in the room because they will always strive for it and they'll always want to improve and get better. Mm. And um, you, you have people who have massive egos, incredibly talented, but they don't want to learn what you have to teach them. And um, I would say in, in my graduating class, I, w- I was mediocre student at best, but I wanted to be better. Mm. And I've always wanted to be there. I've, I want to learn the next thing. I want to, well, what's, what is everybody using? Everyone's using that. Well, I'll try and learn that. And, and 
all all the digital software I use now, it's all self-taught. Well, self-taught. YouTube taught me mm-hmm. how to do it because there's always some 12-year-old in Arkansas who's brilliant at it and has made tons of videos. Um, and you can just, oh, that's how you do that. And um, it's, so there's an education all the time. Any new software. I, I only started using TV Paint when I went, started working in Amiga. Two days before I started Amiga. Really? Yeah. I was like Googling TV Paint. Um, and uh, I learned a lot. So I actually I remember asking you a question and you were like, is this a teaching moment, Paul? Are you trying to teach me something about TV paint? <laughs> I was like, no, I honestly do not know how to do that. How uh, did you I do that? I thought you were sassing me. No, no. I was like, how did you do that? That looks really good. Yeah. Um, so the other the other thing I always do, I always give credit. Um, I I learned tons from Ailish. Ailish is brilliant at TV paint. Mm-hmm. Um, Beth, brilliant at TV paint. Cora does brilliant videos in mm-hmm. TV paint. Um, so anytime I, I would, I'd see somebody do something, I'd be like, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. And I am I'm, was very honest about it as well when I started going, I do not know this software. You're still giving me this job. I, I know how to do the job. I do not know this software, but I'll learn it. And I, all I did was like, oh, I saw you do this on the stream. How did you do that? Tell me how you did that. Mm. And then I would tell other people, this person taught me how to do that thing. Yeah. And uh, so I Beth was really annoyed because people were constantly going to her. Paul said you showed him how to do. How did you do? So uh, it's it's a constantly evolving industry, technologically, software. Um, now AI is going to change everything as well. So you have to keep keep learning and keep improving your own skills. Absolutely. So if anyone's a bit lost, I might just explain. TV paint is sorry. TV paint would be um, the pencil and the, paper the pencil software. version software. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But it's got a steep learning curve. It doesn't look like anything else that's on the market really at the moment. It looks more like pen and paper it's, though. Yeah, it has that feel to it. Web 2.0. No, it's a really powerful software. Oh yeah. But it looks like Microsoft Paint, but the buttons don't make any sense. <laughs> it is wonderful. It's so customizable. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it's so strong, but it's a really steep learning curve if you're coming in from any other software well it is but all the buttons are the same i mean all the tools are the same mm. and um it's it's you say it's a really steep learning curve i i i was like oh brilliant that's what that one does i know my department job in tv paint mm. if you ask me to do another department's job and i'd be like i have no idea how to do that so i learned all the things i needed to know to do my job really well um if i had to animate in it I'd be like, okay, hang on a minute. I've got a, what's this one do? Why is that? Oh, how's he do that? And um, I'd be hounding Matt or somebody who I know animates in it all the time. Mm-hmm. But for cleanup, which is what I mainly, mainly done in Mila, I was like, okay, here's the 10 things you need to know to do your job in cleanup. Mm. And um, it's like uh, Unity. It's a 3D gaming software. It's massive. And it's, do you like, you you Unity person? I love Unity. I've, it's, it's huge. But I know the six things I need to know to use the plugin uh, in Unity to do what I want to do. Okay. I use a plugin called uh, Fungus to make interactive games. Right. And um, Fungus would be like a visual scripting language. Mm. So you don't have to write code. You just plug these things in together and yeah. it'll do it for you. Um, and I can make stuff in Unity from beginning to end with Fungus. But if you want me to use Unity for anything else, like, no. So interesting. Too big a software. Could not learn it. I learned C sharp in Unity. (gasps) See, I'm dyslexic, so I can't write code. Just for animation integration. So I can bring animation into Unity from Toon Boom and TV Paint. But it's the only thing I can do. But I was willing to sit down and learn this one specific thing. 
and it really just it pushed my whole practice forward because I was able to the, do this uh, one thing. The guy who made the the um, Chris Cregan made the fungus plugin. He was an Irish guy. Mm. Um, I convinced him to make an add-on to Unity so you can bring in spine animations directly into Unity and use them with fungus. So spine is an animation software for mm. games as well. Amazing. So uh, yeah, twisted his arm quite a bit <laughs> to get him to do, it, but he did it. Unity would be relatively new. That would be an example of. Um, things you need to learn to keep up maybe it depends mm. um if you wanted to work in games yeah mm. but you'd need to learn the software the animation software which works within unity to do it which is spine or a spriter um i there is something else there is unity's got its own version of animation software built into it it has a kind of spine clone yes it's yeah. but spine is better um, Spriter is, is is good as well, but Spine I think is the is the best one. Mm. Um, it's the most up to date one. They're constantly okay. updating that. So we've gone wildly off track. Yeah, I'm very sorry. sorry. Um, we've We can edit all of that out. Edit all of that out. It's all really. <laughs> it's all just so interesting. I love. I love it. I love talking about animation all day, every day. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask you. You mentioned earlier you've been remote for ten years. Ten years. Yeah. Is that. That's by choice. There wasn't just a private COVID going on in your house. <laughs> um, no, it was purely by choice because um, I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. I hate to commute. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in Ashtown. We purposely bought somewhere where it was easy to get to other places. Um, a lot of people I know, a lot of people from 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 my peer group, I suppose, from animation. Um, they live in Kilcock. They live in Kilkenny. They they were they moved out. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still have to commute to Dublin if they work for a brand bag or one of the other companies. And um, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not spending my life on the bus. It's just life is too short. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then we were making our own projects. So I was working more in documentary than it was animation. I was just freelancing, doing bits of things for other people, made pilots for other companies, made game stuff for other people. And it was easier to do it remotely instead of going, well, you know, we're, you know we'll set up a studio here and we'll do this. And like, no. Mm. I'll just do it from home. Why would you set up? Or we'll, we'll, you know, you can come and work in our space and you know, we'll set up a desk. It's like, no, I can do it from home. Don't worry. But you manage teams and you're a team leader and you're a senior. How on earth do you do that from home? Um, <clears throat> I kind of do the reverse. Well, it's the same, really. Okay. I mean, you just have to get everybody together and have a chat at least once a week or twice a week. And um, the... The, the easiest way I, I think of doing it is everything that was done to me when I was coming up in the industry, I do the opposite. Um, I was always made to feel that um, I was replaceable and that I was lucky to have a job and that, you know, um, there's somebody waiting to replace you. If you're not willing to hang around here on Friday till 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock and get it done, we can get somebody in here next week to do it. Um I was always, no, I, I was always, the, the departments were pitted against each other. So animation was pitted against cleanup, cleanup was pitted against this. And there was always animosity between, between and this is this is a long time ago now. It's, I'm sure it's very different. Well, it is very different now because I've experienced it differently. But um, I always try and give credit in, in any meeting that I'm in. This person had this great idea. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it's, you've heard me say this at the end of meetings as well we're only making cartoons mm-hmm. nobody's life depends on this being finished by Friday and if it is it's the producer's headache it's not our headache let's just work as hard as we can within the time allotted and we'll get it done nobody should be under any stress there's no point nobody's going to die we're not curing diseases 
nobody's going to have, you know, if, if we don't get this delivered by Friday, all oh, the children are going to... No. It's, we're making cartoons. It's, 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 a, it's not a serious business. It's a business. Mm. So it shouldn't be life and death. And a lot of places treat it like it's life and death. And um, I've delivered stuff frantically on a Friday and they've gone, thanks very much. Nobody looks at it till Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. What's the point? So I try and make the team know that there's, we've all got our, our targets to meet. We've all got this stuff to do. And it's my job as the supervisor to help you do that, not to whip you till you do it. Mm. And um, one, of the, one of the things I try to do, and I was talking about this with, um, with Cora, I mean, one of the autopsy meetings at the end of the thing is like, well, I try and find out what everybody's good at. And then I play to that strength. So if Carla's really good at vehicles, I'll make sure she gets vehicles clean up. If, if Ailish is really good at this and if somebody's really good at that. And I am, I'm not going to name names, but somebody on the team, if I said, this is really important, can you have it done by, they'd panic. And they'd, they'd get it done, but they'd be very stressed out. Mm. So I'd constantly started to say, listen, this is really easy. Take your time. If you get it done by Friday, great. If you don't, don't worry about it. It was always early and it was always great. Hmm. So if I put any pressure on this person, they would get stressed. If I told them it was a piece of piss, they'll fly through it. Even if it wasn't, if I told them it was, they would fly through it. And they pretty much became my secret weapon. When I needed something complex done and everybody was busy and I was like, who can I I'm going to give it to this person and I'm just going to tell them it was really easy. And take that pressure away from them and they can do it. Whereas I always felt when I, when I was on, on teams, when, um, my manager was going, do this and have this. And, and I was always like, got to get this done by Friday, Paul. If you don't get this done by Friday, I don't know what we're going to do. I'd be like, oh my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> so it's, it's take that pressure away because it's drawn pictures. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be stressful. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be hard work. It is hard work because it's, it's hard work, but it shouldn't be mental hard work. Mm. So, um, I would try to get everybody together on, on uh, I would try to have a meeting every Monday at uh, half 10 because I know a lot of people don't like to start at 9 o'clock and um, a lot of people start at 10 that's fine I'd have a, I'd have one meeting on Monday and then I'd have individual meetings with everybody even if it's only a 10 minute chat during the week I'd try and hit everybody at least once or twice that week and then have a roundup on Thursday. I don't think roundup on Fridays are a waste of time because nobody wants to do anything on Friday. They have their deadlines to hit. Mm-hmm. There's no point having a meeting on Friday morning going, are you going to get it all done by Friday morning, Friday afternoon? Do it on Thursday. Ask them to give their best effort in. And um, as, as a supervisor, I would spend most of my time, at least half of my time, planning the next two weeks' work. So I was always trying to keep two weeks ahead and going... Carla's done this much last week, so she's already hit her targets. We've got to get this person. Aisha's got to do this. Ruth is going to do that. Beth's going to do this. Blah, blah, blah. And I'd, I'd know going into the, the bigger, the supervisor's meeting, I'd know exactly how much is done, how much is left to be done, um, how many seconds we've done that week, how many scenes are cleared. And um, having that information up front going, hey, this week we've done 45 seconds. We've done this. We've done that. Blah, 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 blah. Everybody's fine. Nobody's stressed. It's all good. Hmm. And um, by being ahead of what everybody is doing, you can see the, you can see the bottleneck. Yeah. And you, I, I, 
on the the last project where where you where you were I went on, I was I was I was starting to see oh we're 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 losing a day, we're losing another day, we're losing three days, we're losing four days, and I could start to see, and it was all it wasn't because the work we, we were doing wasn't good, it was all it was retakes of things we would already done, and I could see we're losing, and Elish and I were talking about this. I said we've lost at least two weeks of production time redoing stuff. So that was two weeks that we had to find somewhere in the production at the end of it. And um, nobody had to work overtime. Nobody got stressed out. We just added on an extra week to the production. There's no point in trying to... Um, but I could see that coming a month before it happened. So I was able to sit down with Leon and, and uh, Sean and go, we're not in trouble, but trouble is four weeks away. And I think that's the supervisor's job. To, to know to know what's being done to know how far into the into into the work you're getting done and um if on a Friday you go oh fuck well, you know we're two weeks behind mm. and you only realize that at the end of the schedule you're not doing your job you should be constantly looking at what's coming next and I drove the production manager bananas going are there any new scenes are there any new scenes she's like yeah we've got loads of scenes here not for next week we haven't mm-hmm. or the week after when am I getting approvals she's like oh Paul they'll come when they're coming I was like no I need them now I need to know where they're coming so every every after every Monday meeting with the with the group I would be talking to her going so how many scenes am I going to get next week how many scenes it says on F-Track I'll have this many but last week it said this and she's like Jesus Paul you know I'll tell you when I'll tell you when so it's you just have to be into it it's administration. Mm. A good chunk of it is administration, which is not what somebody signs up for when they're in animation. But um, when you move up a level, you do less drawing mm-hmm. and more management and more more administration, I suppose. And um, I had this conversation with somebody else and they were saying, well, shouldn't shouldn't the best artist be the supervisor? Paul, shouldn't the best cleanup artist be the, the cleanup supervisor? And I was like, no, I'm not the best cleanup artist. There's definitely people who are better at cleanup than I am on my cleanup team. And he's like, what do you mean? I says, yeah, but they wouldn't be able to sit in front of a computer and look at it for four hours going, how much work have we done? How much work has this person done? Where is that scene going to? Why isn't that one back at me? Why is this? So you need the best person to do the job. Mm. It doesn't necessarily have to be the best artist. It might be different than animation, but then I would also disagree. I think the the best animation the, the, like director not necessarily need to be the best animator. He needs to know animation mm. and know how to do it and how to convey the message of what the client wants to get to get the work across. And it's you're you're maybe the best people manager, I think, and that that's a huge part of it because not that everybody has egos, but everybody has an ego about them. Whether it's not, I don't mean a huge. Oh, I'm brilliant, but everyone's a person and mm. they need to be treated individually it's so interesting so you have your arts skill set and then yeah. your management skill set well you see my management skill set remote is a bit different than it yeah. would be because every time somebody has sent me something like, Paul can I have a cut and I go ah Jesus and then I go okay yeah what can I help you with but in person I'd still go ah Jesus what can I help you with mm-hmm. so um, it's it's part of the job. I mean, it is, if, if you want to, and I've worked with some really, really bad um, supervisors to the point that production was waiting for the supervisor to finish a scene because that, that supervisor wanted that scene on his showreel. Mm-hmm. And a huge part of the job is giving away the good scenes to people so that they get done. Um, I've tried, I kept one scene for myself on the last project we did 
mainly because anybody who opened it on their computer, it shut their computer down because <laughs> it had so many layers. So I spent, um, I'd say, a month doing half a day or three quarters of a day a week doing this one scene. But I had to turn off everything on my computer, all the software off mm-hmm. and, and do put put the, um, the Discord server that we were chatting to on my iPad so my computer could run this scene and I could spend four or five hours at a time at it. And so I kept that scene sort of like do um but i work with a guy a supervisor who l- literally ink and paint were standing behind him going are you finished are you finished are you finished and he's like you just need 10 more minutes it took him five five hours it took him a day to finish this scene mm. and it, it held up the production and it was because he wanted something to look good on his, his show reel and uh i don't know where he is now in the world but i'm sure he's a very nice man um <clears throat> so it's you have to manage more so than than be an artist but it's it's part of it okay uh my last question for you really um would be if somebody wanted to be you and why wouldn't they you're so lovely they wanted to get to where you are now what skills that would you ask them to focus on and develop in themselves um i'd say networking yeah. Right, because that's the one skill that I do not have. I didn't expect that. I am the, the worst network. If you look at my Twitter profile or anything like that, it has animator, filmmaker, world's worst networker. <laughs> um, I went to your event on Friday, and what did I do? Talk to me. Yeah. Um, I I'm terrible. I'm absolutely rubbish at it. And uh, but I'll talk to anybody. But if I have to go and purposely go and meet a group of people to further my career, mm-hmm. I'll be the guy at the bar in the corner. Okay. Because I I just get very self conscious at the idea that I have to go. Hi, I'm I'm a really nice person to deal with, and I'm good at my job, and I can I can help you, and it's 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 hard work. Um, so I've I've said this to I've said this to a few people. Um, build your network. Mm-hmm. Network. It's how I got the last few jobs that I have. People I know. Um, and animation is a very small industry. Even it's getting a lot bigger in Ireland. It's gotten a lot bigger in the last ten years. But you get jobs, and it's not nepotism as such. But it's you get jobs through people you know. Oh, Paul can do that. That's Stephen knew that I could do cleanup because I work with cleanup in on paper with him years ago. And they're like, we need somebody who knows how to manage a team of cleanup. And he went, Paul did that. I've seen him do it. So that's how I got the job. So it's build your network. Mm. And I'm bad at it. If you want to be me, don't build your network and just work your little legs off. And what are you good at? Um, I'm good at my job. Um, I'm a good producer. Um, I was nearly going to say I'm a good networker, but I'm not. Um, I'm a good people person. I'm a good people person. I, li- I like what I do. And I think that's... I find it difficult to work with, work with people who don't enjoy what they do. And I've, I've worked with a few people like that, like, oh, I've got to do this now. It's like, didn't you sign up for this? Didn't you, didn't you study for this? Isn't this why you want to do this job? And if, if you're really that unhappy, you should probably do another job. Um, it's true. It's a hard job to do if you don't want to do it. I'm, every job is. I mean, when I tell people, oh, yeah, I sit in front of a computer and I draw mm. all day long. And they're like, wow. So it was inherent mm. for you. You didn't have to sit down and say, I'm going to practice and get really good at drawing. It was just something you wanted. Yes. Okay. Um, my my family when I was little used to call me Polly Polly Waddle Doodle all day, because I would sit there and I would doodle. I would doodle all my copy books when I was in school, all my school books covered in doodles of everything and anything, 
And um, again, I don't consider myself the best artist. I just like to draw. Mm. And I think it's 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 a skill that I think animation is certainly a skill I think can be taught. Um, and I jokingly said, you know, when you're kids, they put you in art class. When you're elderly, they put you in art class. You know, when you can learn to do it, it is a skill. Um, and some of the best illustrators would not be able to animate the way they have a paper bag because it is a skill that needs to be taught. And I've seen some fantastic animators who could not draw an illustration to save their lives, but they can draw a cat dancing, mm. you know, with a top hat and a walking cane. <laughs> but if you, they said, oh, go and do this expressive painting, they'd be like, yeah, and it'll look like a cat dancing. Yeah. So it's 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 a learned skill. And I think it's, it, but you're continuously learning because it's everything's evolving all the time. Okay. Thank you so much for coming in and talking to me today. You're very welcome. This was enlightening. Thank you very much. No bother at all.